Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. This is Lorraine Beeman, your host of our totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals by providing strategies you can implement immediately. Our guest this week is Susan Collins. Susan has been an internal recruiter in the retail industry for more than 20 years, and she is a master at networking. So today we're gonna to talk about two of my favorite topics, how to work with a recruiter and how to network yourself to your next job. So let's welcome Susan. Susan, welcome to Career Central. Thanks, Lorraine. I'm so excited to be here. We are excited to have you. So um, why don't we start out by having you share with our listeners the journey that has brought you here. Um, They love to hear about people's career progressions, and I know you've had a very interesting one, so please share with us. So I always knew that retail was my calling. I started at a very young age, and one of the things that you had to do when you were in retail was you needed to recruit your replacement if you wanted to get promoted. And that's how I got into recruiting. So I've been recruiting for over 20 years now. I started out you know, recruiting for store managers, worked my way into the corporate arena, and then began leading talent acquisition. And that was really fascinating for me because I learned to build strategies to help companies attract people to the brand. And after that, um, you know, COVID hit this past year, I've been on furlough twice. And during each of my furloughs, I really committed a lot of my time to helping people find companies versus companies find people. And that's where I found a love. You know, I understand what's happening on the other side. And so giving people that perspective helps them build a better strategic job search strategy. Well, thank you for sharing. And again, um, as I mentioned, we are always delighted to have people who are recruiters. And I didn't realize that you had to recruit your replacement. So you really did start your recruiting very early. So yeah. let's go back to that first job. You wanted to get promoted. How did you find somebody to fill your spot? Well, back in the day, you know, if you're in the mall and you're a store manager or an assistant manager, you walk the mall and you talk to people and you find out what gets them excited and you tell them about opportunities and you really learn what it takes to get someone interested in what you're doing. And when you've got a great passion for what you do, that definitely always helps. So just want to tap into that. So you were walking, you were talking to people. It was the people who were passionate that caught your attention, right? Always the people that were passionate, a little curious. I love people that were passionate about their jobs that weren't even interested in making a move. Sometimes somebody who really loved their job was even more interesting to me because I wanted to share my love and my job with them. So I think what I want to um, bring to the attention of our audience is that sometimes we focus on that resume and all the qualifications, which is great, but the number one thing is passion and showing interest. That is what impresses a hiring manager. And um, again, Susan's been doing this for a very long time and started out being impressed by, by folks and how they um, you know, greeted her and the enthusiasm they, they showed. So um, your journey came and you then became what we would call a professional HR person. In other words, but tell us a little about, because you kind of casually said, but you've earned some certifications and taken some training and everything else, right? 
So yes. So I am SHRM certified. So I went through and did that to just get a more well-rounded approach to HR. I also am um, certified and able to train motivation-based interviewing, which is most people, when they're interviewed, they use behavioral-based interviewing, but motivation-based interviewing really looks for the motivation behind the question. So I have done both. Just to educate our audience, why don't you talk a little bit about that motivational interviewing? Because that's something a, a little new. So MBI was started by Carol Quinn. And really what it looks for is when you are being asked a question, um, I think that, you know, it's really easy to just talk about the generalities. So it asks you for something specific and it looks for really when it comes down to brass tacks, it looks for, do you take accountability? Do you pass the buck? Do you really understand why there is an issue? And do you try to conquer the issue? A lot of people, when they're faced with a struggle in whatever it may be, life, work, whatever, it's really easy to just say, I can't do it. So this type of questioning looks for people who say, I looked for an answer. Maybe you didn't always find out the answer, but looking for the answer and trying to solve the problem is, um, is really the key to getting through those, those questions. I think that probably moving forward, questions like, you know, how did you handle COVID and all of that is going to give you an opportunity to really shine and think about showing how you dealt with that conflict, you know, how you really figured out a way to solve a problem. So great insights, because I think we all prep for the behavioral, you know, tell me about a time when you did something, but the bringing into the interview your motivation. Again, I'm going to tap into the fact that, you know, you were attracted to people with passion that are motivated. That's really, I think, what um, employers are looking for. Um, So what's the biggest mistake that candidates make during that whole application process? I think that people get really frustrated during the application process because it, it can be long. You know, every company has a different process. Some of them want, you know, you to write a paragraph about why you're interested in the job. Some of them want you to put your last five jobs down. Some, you know, need really specific dates. Some just need years. And so it's hard to have just, you know, a routine down when it comes to applications. And I think the biggest mistake that people make when they're filling out an application online is not following the process all the way to the end and being very specific about it. What happens is you're like, well, they can see my resume. They'll go look at my resume and that's fine. But it's really important that you put all of the details into the application that the company's asking for because recruiters look at that as a way to determine if you can follow directions, a way to determine what your level of um, detail is. And so if you haven't done what they've asked from you from the beginning, they might be less likely to call you. Okay, so just to reinforce is you're introducing yourself to an employer through the application process. They're asking you basically, can you follow directions? And you're answering yes or no just by by the actions that you take. Right, right. And I'll get questions all the time from, you know, my friends or colleagues or clients, you know, do I need to do a cover letter? Well, if the 
application asks for a cover letter, then yes, you definitely need to do a cover letter. I don't think as a rule in all industries, people pay as much attention to cover letters as you put time into. But if the application asks for a cover letter, then you need to prepare one specific to that job. And I get that question all the time. Do I have to do a cover letter? And then the second question is, what do I put in it? So we, we've got you on the spot. Tell us what you're looking for when you, when you read that cover letter. What do you want to see? I want to see that they've looked at the job description and that they've tied something that they do really well back to the job description. So I don't need a really lengthy cover letter that explains everything you've done your entire career because I'm going to have your resume. So I am just looking for, you know, what is your passion? Why are you interested in this job and what makes you a great candidate? And you could do it in a paragraph. Okay, great. But send the cover letter because it does give you kind of a chance to tell the employer, this is how my skills match. Is that what you're looking for? Is that they know enough about the job to say, this is how my skills match? Yes. Yes. I think that, you know, recruiters are notoriously known for spending an average of six seconds on a resume, which is a little embarrassing, right? That's not the best thing to be known for, but a cover letter gives them something else to set you apart from just your resume and help you reinforce what's important to you is important to the, the company. So we're going to put you on the spot again. How did you spend those six seconds? What did you look for in that resume before you decided, okay, it's worth reading this? So I do like to think that I spend more than six seconds on a okay. resume. I, um, I really like to look at a resume. So I start at the top. I actually scan down and look at the jobs that you've held. What has your tenure been in those positions? And then for me, I already know what you do. So I understand what the job description is. So I look for resumes that talk about what did you, what kind of impact did you have? Mm -hmm. So instead of I was responsible for $30 million in business, I look for, you know, I increased my business by 7% year over year for, you know, four or five years in a row. I want to understand what sets you apart from the same person that has the same job description. So accomplishments, not just that you did the job, how you did it. Yep. How you did it. Okay. So we touched a little bit on, on interviewing a few minutes ago, but let's dig um, a little deeper. Talk to us about interviewing. What impresses you with a candidate you know, from the, from the minute they either pop up on Zoom or, or in the office? I think it's a lot of it is enthusiasm. And I understand that everyone's different. So an introvert's enthusiasm is going to look different than an extrovert's enthusiasm. But it's really about how you talk about the job. It's about were you curious? Did you, are you able to say, I didn't know an answer to that and then be able to go explain where you found the answer? That's really important. I think that a lot of times if candidates don't have a specific example, they start to talk in generalities. So they start to say, well, you know, typically how I like to do things is, and, and they can't, they don't take the time to pause and say, that's an interesting question. Let me think about an answer for you. And, and that's totally okay. I'd rather them pause or say, can we come back to that? I'm going to need to think about that for a few minutes, but give me a specific example of a time when. Worst mistakes. Let's just lay it all out so that folks can go, I'm not going to do this. 
um, the next time I interview. So worst mistakes. Talking badly about your boss. Okay. Big mistake, right? It, it kind of freaks us out because we're like, okay, you didn't like this boss. I don't know that boss. What if you don't like the next boss? So um, talking poorly about an organization, not every organization is a good fit. That's okay. I think it's really more about projecting forward why you're interested and excited about a new job. Um, another mistake is coming not prepared. So not really understanding the job that you are interviewing for. It's okay to have a few questions and you definitely should have questions, but I think that you should do a little research. There's so much out there besides job descriptions. There's LinkedIn, there's Glassdoor. There are a lot of places you can go to understand more. So if you were coaching somebody to prepare for an interview, how, how would you walk them through step-by-step? Step? They get the call, you know, we, we want to interview you next Tuesday, 10 a.m., how am I going to structure my time between now and next Tuesday at 10 a.m.? So between now and next Tuesday, you need to look up the person that called you and link in with them on LinkedIn. You need to look at their career history, do a little digging and see if you can figure out who the hiring manager is. Look at their career history. You need to read through the job description, take a look at your resume, make sure that you feel like it's a good fit. A lot of times a recruiter will call you and you say yes because it's an exciting company, but maybe it's not a good fit. So make sure that you think that it's a good fit, that you're a good fit for the job. I would go to Glassdoor. I would look at their ratings. I would look to see if I know anyone that works at that company. A lot of times you will have first or second connections. See if you can do a little bit of research through someone who actually works there. If you've been in the industry for a long time, often, you know, people move, you know, between the three, same three or four companies. So maybe you can find somebody who can give you a little bit of insight. And then I would think about like, what are the questions that I think that they're going to ask me? What are the questions that I'm uncomfortable answering? So you need to be able to clearly articulate why you've left every job. Why did you leave that job? You know, make it positive. They look for where you pushed or pulled. So if you were pushed out of a job, can you clearly and comfortably articulate why? Because we can tell when you're uncomfortable and we start digging. And I think that's kind of when things go awry. So get comfortable with the answer. I like to say practice answering questions in front of a mirror. It gives you... Uh, you know, a little more life to your answers. If you can practice answering the same question three or four times, you get comfortable answering the question where maybe the first time you might have kind of, you know, jumped over it a little bit, not gotten all of your points across. Practice answering that same question. You'll get really clear. So um, let's talk about there's three dreaded questions, in my opinion. Um, one is, tell me about yourself. When you ask that, do you, well, first of all, do you ask that of candidates? Somehow, you know, tell me about yourself or something like that. Do you ever ask that question? I don't ask that question. I okay. think that we're going to get to know each other through the process. So what I like to do is say, I took a look at your resume. I'm really fascinated. I'd like to start at this job. So I may not start at their first job, but I may start like three jobs back. And I say, I'd love for you to tell me about that job. How did you get there? Why did you leave? What did you love about it? What did you hate about it? Okay, and great. we'll just talk through each job. And it really is very conversational. And so I'll, I'll walk through, through those pieces. And I want to emphasize the fact that it's a conversation. 
It's not yeah. a test and it's not um, an yes. inquisition sometimes we say. Okay, so you are one of those folks that do, don't ask that question because I know, you know, people at interview hate answering that question. So that is great. Now, the next question, and I don't know if you ask it, but a lot of people dread is the weakness question. Like, do you have a weakness? Do you have something that we should be concerned about? Do you ask anything like that during your interviews? I think when we're talking through their jobs, we kind of start to figure things out. Like, because when you're asking about specific bumps in the road, and I think that everyone should be prepared to talk about a time when they failed. I think everyone should be able to be prepared to talk about a time when they didn't know the answer. I think that everyone should be prepared to talk about a conflict they had with their boss. And you really start to figure those things out as you're going through and asking questions. You know, the weakness question is something that I think a lot of recruiters use, so you should be prepared to talk about it. And you don't have to spin it. You know, everybody's trying to make their weakness their strength, and then it gets all convoluted. Like, understand what your weakness is, be able to speak to it, and maybe be able to speak to a strength that you have that compensates for that weakness. I sometimes think um, that when you're talking about a weakness, though, you need to put it in context. Right. So, in other words, you don't go, oh, I'm a procrastinator. And then people go, oh, my goodness, you'll never get your work done. So, yeah. Right. So. Right. So, is that kind of what you're looking for is like, yes, you had a problem, but how did you work on it? Is that? Uh, I am really looking to find out how you approach problems. Can you collaborate? Like, if you don't know the answer, are you not brave enough, but are you in intuitive enough to know that you need to go ask for help? You know, the world is, you know, really looking now for vulnerability more than ever. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of leaders have realized you can't do it all yourselves. I think that people are looking for more balance in their lives. And along with that balance come, you need to be able to collaborate and you need to be able to help others. So I'm really looking for people who can, work together and figure out a problem together. Okay, great. Great advice. We are going to take a very, very short break and we're going to come back and we're going to hop into the third most dreaded question and that's the salary question. So we're going to have quiz uh, Susan on that. So the salary question and the whole negotiation thing. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central. This is Lorraine Beeman, and we're having an, an amazing conversation with Susan Collins, who is a experienced recruiter and networker. We're going to finish up talking to her about her recruiting, and then we're going to jump into networking. But a few questions. Um, one of the things we talked about during the break, and before I move on, I promise that I'm going to talk about the salary question and all that. But um, the question about what do you do better than others. Is that what you were, is one of your favorite questions? That's a tough one, guys, if you haven't prepped for that. So let's listen. Susan, how, how do we prep for that? So I'd love to ask people, what do you do better than anybody else? Because I want to hear what drives them, what they're passionate about, what gets them excited. And can they talk about it with a little bit of humility, right? So can they say, you know what, what I do better than anybody else is something that I've been working on for a really long time, I think I'm a really good networker. And let me give you an example of how I do it and how I bring others in to help them also be great networkers. So I just like that question because you kind of see people's faces light up or the excitement that it brings. And I and it's a hard question for some people because they don't know how to toot their own horn. And so it gives them an opportunity. I'll just say, you know what, it's okay. I won't tell anybody else you said it. Tell me what you do and, um, and brag for a minute. I love that. And it is for a lot of you out there going, oh, one more uncomfortable question. And it is (laughs) uncomfortable. But if you practice, like Susan said, it just kind of rolls off your tongue because you're confident and you know that that's the the right answer. Um, I did promise before the break that we were going to talk about the salary question. People always go, they hate getting that. You know, what kind of a salary are you expecting? They're uncomfortable about talking about money anyway. First of all, do you ever ask that question? Do you ask folks about salary? I talk about money from conversation number one. I think that we need to have the conversation. Um, If you want $100,000 a year and my job pays $50,000 a year, we're going to talk about it. So as a recruiter, I'm always trying to get you to give me a number first. So I'm like, Lorraine, tell me what are your salary expectations? And I can't ask you... um, what your current salary is anymore. And for most organizations, there are a few states where you can do that, but that's going away. So I think a lot of companies have just said, what are your salary expectations? And on your side, as a candidate, you should ask, what is the range for the, for the job? I always coach people to say, well, you know, you're an outstanding organization. I, I'm confident that you pay a very competitive salary. What kind of a range are you looking for? Yes. Or are you, are you considering offering? But then what do you respond? Because 
And then I respond with, well, you know, we have this really great chart so that we ensure that we pay people fairly. It is based off of, you know, time and role, experience, education. There are a lot of things that we put into it. Um, if you just want to go ahead and give me a number, I haven't looked at, you know, the range for you yet, but I want to make sure that we're in line and I can do that. At which time, hopefully, people that I have coached have done a lot of research on Glassdoor, on networking and everything else to give you a range that is, you know, probably where you're comfortable up pushing you a little further so that if you realize I'm a star, you'll, you'll be comfortable at the higher range. Is that kind of the strategy that, that you would want a candidate to take? Absolutely. Everything's negotiable. So I don't think that it's start, it hurts to start too high. But I also think that when you're talking to the recruiter, you can say, you know, I'm looking at a range of between 70 and 85. I got there based off of, you know, 10 years in the business. I have done my research on Glassdoor and LinkedIn. And I feel like this is a fair range. Is your organization in this range? And I think you're making very, it's a conversation. It's not like a, this is what I need or I'm walking. Um, it's a back and forth. And I don't, what I coach people is the further you get into the interview process and the more they love you, the easier it's going to be to get the salary you want. Which leads to my next question. What advice do you have to someone who wants to try and negotiate their salary? And should they? Should people negotiate a salary? It's the only time you get to do it. Thank you. So I, I think you should negotiate up front and women have been, you know, called out for years for not negotiating. I have been so impressed, especially probably these past two to three years that women are coming out with some pretty big numbers. So I think that times are changing. I think that you have to, you know, have to start from the beginning with where you want to be. And I think you have to be comfortable letting a job pass you by if they're not going to pay you what you're worth. And that's probably the hardest part when you're looking for a job, giving up something that's really great because they're not going to pay you enough. You have to look at the whole package though. Great advice because, um, and we all know there's that huge gap for women in salaries. And if you start low in that first job, you stay on that slower track. Whereas if you started a little higher, and it just seems like even though they can't ask you what your past salary is, it just seems like incrementally it, it goes up from there. Absolutely. Okay. Um, before we move off the, the um, talking about your role as a recruiter, this is always a tough question. We never want to think about our jobs ending ever. Uh, we don't want to think about laid off furloughs. They have become such a part of our culture this last year. I want to just get your insights on somebody gets called in, they're going to get terminated, they're going to get laid off. I'm assuming they're in shock. Walk me through the process and what the person who is being laid off or terminated should be prepared to ask and do. Unfortunately, right, by the time you get pulled into the office, they've already decided. So they've already made their decision as to what's going to happen. So what I would recommend for you is to, you know, listen to what they're saying, try to be as unemotional as possible, really, you know, 
take the time to take in what they're saying. And if they ask you to sign anything, I would recommend that you say, you know, this is an emotional day. This is, I'm sure, a hard conversation for both of us. I'd like to take the paperwork home and get back to you with with a signature. So I really recommend that, you know, you try to remain as calm as possible. The person having the conversation doesn't really want to have the conversation either. It's a difficult conversation for both people. So the easier you can make it on them, if there is, you know, a package involved or anything else, they're going to remember that you were kind and generous and made it as easy as possible. And you can come back on another day after you've had time to take it in and, you know, say, I've read the paperwork over. I understand, you know, what's happening here. I want to ask a few more questions and I want to see if there's anything that we can negotiate. And I think that's great advice because people are in shock. They think they have to sign the paper. They have to get out. In fact, usually their instinct is get out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if the only thing you go in um, to that meeting with is remembering what Susan said, it's okay to say it's an emotional day. Can I come back and stay calm and as professional as possible? Because even though it's the end of maybe that job, it is not the end of that professional relationship, which we're going to scoot over into when we talk about um, negotiate networking. And so we've gone through this whole cycle from the hiring to being laid off. And now suddenly we have to go find a job and 80% of all jobs come through networking. We, um, if, if you've listened to the show at all, you hear me throw out that number. Some people go, Oh no, 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 I don't want to network. I don't want to ask people. And so sometimes I say, think of your network as a safety net. Those are the people that are going to catch you if you're falling. So if that's an easier concept for you, because Susan and I are really going to dive into networking because I think we share this, this same commitment that networking is how you move forward in your career, how you find your next job, how you become an expert. Um, and so I'm going to throw it over to Susan. I'm going to ask you right up front, you have an amazing network group that you have built, and I want you to share the First of all, the name of that group and who those folks are and how you built it. So I had been recruiting for a few years and a colleague of mine at a competitor, Jennifer Thornton worked for a competitor of ours. She and I networked all the time. We shared names. We went back and forth. If somebody wasn't right for my company, maybe they'd be right for her company. And we decided that it was really important to support our retail community by teaching people how to build and leverage networks. And when you understand how to build and leverage a network, then you're going to be 10 times more successful. And I'm making that number up, but I believe it. I believe it's probably a hundred times more successful. So we started pulling together networking events in person in our, um, in our local communities. And then we, by the time it was over, we were doing about 40 a year. And we would let anyone in our industry reach out. They had to meet certain qualifications and we would do all of the heavy lifting. We would reach out to people on LinkedIn. We would reach out to people we knew and we would invite them in for a morning of networking. And we also opened up a LinkedIn group and our LinkedIn group, Retail Networking Solutions, has almost 18,500 community members in it now. And, you know, I believe that there's a job out there for anyone and everyone. And I believe that not every job is perfect for you. So the more you can really network and talk to people, 
the the better it's going to do for you. And if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it says give more than you get because I believe that you have to approach networking with just the idea of what can I do for you. And so I'm constantly looking for ways that I can help people out and it's paid me back a thousand times over. So that's really what we try to help people do is really understand how important that network is. I made a decision about a hundred and 83 days ago that I would probably be leaving my job. And so I started networking two hours a week. I have always had a plan where I spend an hour a week networking, whether that is reaching out to people on LinkedIn, connecting with previous supervisors, connecting with previous peers. I don't think that you can ever underestimate the power of your network and um, a hundred and 80 days later, here I am. I want to agree with everything you say. So I want to kind of um, pick out a few points just to emphasize. One is that two of you started this. That was two of you. And you've grown to over 1,800. So 18,000. I'm sorry, 18,000. My goodness, numbers. And I don't always (laughs) meant. So um, let's, and you started out to help other people. Mm-hmm. You started, and so, and you met with a competitor. One of the things you said that you networked with previous employers, previous colleagues. Mm-hmm. That goes back to our conversation about when you're leaving a job, you know, leave on good terms, leave, you know, so that you can go back and build that network. So you have talked about how the um, 180 last 180 days, you've been networking two hours a day. Yes, talk oh, us a week. I'm sorry. Stop. Uh, numbers and dates just, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's Monday. Uh, okay. <laughs> what can I tell you? Um, but okay. So that time that you're spending, because a lot of folks are in the same situation you are. I mean, you had a full time job, you're working hard, you've got lots of responsibilities, but you know, you want to make a move. So mm-hmm. you make that commitment. So mm-hmm. tell us how you spent those two hours. So for me, I think that personal conversations, and I hear this all the time, people are like, oh, I don't want to call them. I don't want to bother them. But if you are looking to start really getting good at networking, I would recommend that you start with previous supervisors who loved you. Just reaching out to them, telling them how much you appreciated them, and just really reconnecting. Um, So I met with previous supervisors. Next thing I did is I reached out to previous colleagues. Then I reached out to industry colleagues. And I think that's where people get a little hesitant because they think, oh, they're a competitor. I don't know if I can talk to them. What can I say to them? How can, you know, will they want to talk to me? And I think that we have to assume positive intent from people. And when you approach the conversation or you end the conversation, I try to end every conversation with, is there anything I can do for you? Before we get off the phone, what can I do for you? And I learned, um, you know, I picked that up from Bruce Neal. Bruce Neal, and I've never had a conversation where he hasn't said that to me. And I've tried to replicate that. And I think that um, people feel appreciated when they know that you're looking out for them. And um, it also helps the conversation. So you have to be brave. If you have not really cultivated your network, if you have not spent time on it, pick two or three people out that you either used to work for or with and just pick up the phone, just do it. Just pick up the phone and call them and tell them that you're thinking about them and you appreciate them. So for those of us, those that are out there that are what we would call network resistant, Talk about that call because the idea, oh, I'm going to pick up, and then what am I going to say? So 
I mean, without revealing any confidential stuff, I mean, you know, how do you structure a call? So I just pick up the phone and say, I've been thinking about you. You know, I have, and and I like to admit that, you know what, I haven't been good about keeping in touch and I, you've been on my mind a lot lately. And so I just wanted to call and check in and see how you're doing. How are you doing over there at Apple? Do you love the job? You know, tell me two reasons you love it. And, you know, then I'll talk a little bit about what's going on. I do love my Outlook calendar. So if you are really good at calendars, I, anytime anyone tells me their birthday, I run, put it in my calendar. Anyone, anytime anyone tells me their anniversary, I run, put it in my calendar. If it's your first day at work and we're working together, I run, put it in my calendar. And so I've got these constant reminders because I set them for year after year. I've got these constant reminders coming up where I have an excuse to talk to someone because I can pick up the phone and say, hey, happy birthday. How's it going? Or I can shoot them over a quick LinkedIn email. That is an amazing idea, an amazing tip. And for those of you out there, I think everybody has some kind of electronic calendar. And if not, they've still got a paper calendar they can, you know, quickly go through um, and put that. But to keep that personal relationship going. Now, another thing I get is, oh, I don't have enough time to network. But you have structured it for two hours a week. And I just want to I just want to drill down on that so that you can let our listeners know that it's not all-consuming. It's something you can build into your schedule you know what, you don't have enough time not to network is the way I see it. And I, I hate to say that because we are all running at a thousand miles an hour and working so hard. But what I will do is I will put four 30 minute blocks into my calendar every week reoccurring. And sometimes I move them like I'm not faithful at two hours, but I have to get in 30 minutes a week period end of conversation when I was doing an hour. And when I was doing two hours, I had to get in an hour every week and you have to hold yourself to it. It's a gift to you. It's not for anyone else. It is a selfish moment that you have to take for you. And when you take it for you and then you end the call giving something back to someone else, it feels good. And you start to kind of create, you know, that rush of endorphins and you'll get better and better at it. I just want to emphasize that it's, it's the practice, you know, and, and you, you said it, you know, call somebody that, you know, you had got along with really well. And it's like, oh, they probably are having not the best of all days. They hear your, your bright, shining voice. How are you doing? You know, you're not really ask, and that's important. You're not asking them for anything, right? You're saying, how are you doing? And can I do anything to help you? So um, that, is, that is great advice. And I love, I love that calendaring calendaring your network and then calendaring the the follow-up with folks. Um, Any other advice on those network calls other than do them, um, but, you know, make them friendly and anything else that you've found that's been really successful? I think that once you've started to build the relationship, so if you can connect with people two or three times a year and you can kind of cross them off of your list, then the next thing that you want to do is you want to ask for introductions. So, you know, it is about building the discipline, building the relationship. But once you have the relationship in place and you feel comfortable with someone, then it's about saying, who should I know in our industry? Is there somebody that does this really well? And, and you have to really create those relationships so that you can ask for those favors. And so if there's one piece of advice, and I said, you know, if, other than making the calls, it is about investing in you and starting to build the relationships because someday you're going to need references 
Someday you're going to need an answer to a question within your industry. Someday you're going to need a lead on a job or a lead on a candidate. And if you haven't invested that time into your network, it makes that initial phone call a little more uncomfortable. You know, that's something we talk about all the time that you're responsible for your career. Right. Your, your employer is responsible for your job. So they'll make sure that you have the resources you need and the things to get done. But you're the only one that can really take charge of your career and build that network and big the things that you need. We are going to take another very, very short break, and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Susan. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Hi, welcome back to Career Central. This is Lorraine Beeman having an amazing conversation with Susan Collins, who is both an expert at recruiting and networking. And just before the break, we were talking a lot about networking. I'm not going to ask Susan if she has any other advice or insights for folks um, as they're moving forward in their career. 
I think that, you know, if there's one thing that you're going to do to keep your career moving forward, it is definitely building your network and being curious, right? So I think that a lot of times people lose track of their previous supervisors. And I have tried to hang on to every single one of my previous supervisors because not only are they a reference, but they are have insight into the industry and they think about things differently and they're not afraid to give me feedback. They gave me feedback for however many years that I um, worked for them and, you know, they've been generous with it. So even when you leave and you know that it's time for you to leave and go, you need to stay in touch with people that you worked with in your past. So leave with as much grace and dignity as you can and don't let that um, relationship wane. Fantastic advice. We always ask our guests to give our listeners a five-second challenge, something they can do as soon as this show ends that takes just a few minutes but can help them, you know, advance their career. So what is your advice? What is your challenge? My challenge is as soon as you leave this, pick up the phone, call your favorite boss you ever had that's not your current boss, and just let them know you were thinking about them and how much you appreciated them and see where the conversation goes. Great advice. Now, I know that our listeners are going, oh, we're coming close to the end of the hour. How can I know more about Susan? So you are launching some amazing things. So Susan, can you share with our listeners how they can connect with you directly? So I am passionate about helping people find companies versus companies find people. And you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at thenetworkconcierge.com. So that's thenetworkconcierge.com. And I will get a newsletter over to you immediately. Just be sure to put that in your address book. And we would you know, be excited to tell you more and keep you really motivated to land a job you love. And we've talked a lot about retail, but you're really expanding beyond retail with this, right? This is everybody out there. Everybody. I'm talking to a woman later this afternoon about oil and gas. I've got um, uh, another friend that I'm speaking with about accounting. I've got a philosophy major that I'm talking to. It really is just about helping people find their passion. So I encourage you to connect with Susan, learn from the best in terms of networking um, and her newsletter, everything else. So keep in touch with with Susan. Any other thoughts before we um, kind of move on to the end of the show? Any other thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think that it's really easy to become comfortable in a job that you love and um, pick comfort over passion because you're afraid that there's not something better out there. And I believe that there's a job for everyone. So, you know, if you really decide that it's time to move on, there is just a little bit of effort that goes into building a strategic job search. And you you don't have to stay someplace that you're miserable. And I'm just going to build on what she said and talk to you about our guest next week. Our guest next week is Andy Storch. He is the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life. That's exactly what Susan was saying. You get to have the career that you find fulfilling. So whether you're deciding on your first career or your fourth, and I don't know if you know, but most Americans change careers between three and seven times during their lifetime. So if you're going, oh, you know, should I change or not change? Andy will share the, the signs for why you should change and help you build that, that roadmap to get to where you want to go next. We always appreciate listener feedback. 
to plan future shows. So I want you to please keep that feedback coming. You can use the platform where you listen to us, or you can email me at careercentralhost at gmail.com. You can also use the same email address if you would like to get personal notifications of upcoming shows. And just to reinforce the fact that we do listen to you, Susan came as a, as a result of people saying, you've got to have Susan on the show. We need to know more about recruiting. We need to mo- know more about networking. So if you're out there going, I wish they'd talk about, this is your chance careercentralhost at gmail.com. Also a reminder, if you or someone close to you is facing a job loss, check out my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After a Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. We talk a lot about what um, Susan said. The um, book starts by how to handle that meeting when you get called in and it's a shock to you. My, my thought is if you're prepared, if you understand what you're facing, then you can be that good citizen. And that's what we talk about is how to be polite, how to be a good citizen, but also how to walk away with the things you need to move forward in your career and find that next job. We go through the whole process, including the interviewing, because we talked a lot about interviewing, but things like tell me about your last job and all of that can, can trigger emotions. You don't want to break down in tears in the middle of an interview with going, oh, I lost my last job and this as well. So you want to be prepared to handle that. And then we keep going all the way through transitioning into a new job, which can be a challenge because the job that you left, you were terminated from. Susan, is, you know, Susan, you want to jump in on that because um, you're, you're nodding yes. And, and let's talk about a little bit about what happens when you've lost a job and you're going back into a new one. You know, you lose your job where maybe things weren't going right at the end, or maybe it was just COVID. Like everybody gets a bump this year, right? Everybody gets a blip in their career this year because of COVID. And then you go into a new job. And I think you put extra pressure on yourself because you know the situation that just happened. And I love the saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. It actually took over a thousand years to build Rome. And yet we still want to feel like we know the job in a week or two. So you've got to, you know, really show yourself grace. You've really got to ask a lot of questions. You've got to figure out who the go-to people are when you have those questions and you need to take that time to transition. And um, I think, am, am I correct that you carry that emotional baggage too from your last job? And sometimes it's just the, oh, well, in my last job, we did this, we did it this way. Even if you had a positive experience, you weren't terminated. And I see Susan, I have the advantage of seeing Susan, for those of you that are listening. Um, if you're on Facebook Live, you know exactly. She's, she's smiling and she's saying, yes, yes. Let's talk about that. Oh, this is the way we did it in my last company and all of that. What does that do? How does a manager react to that? I think a manager can sometimes feel threatened, right? Because they think that you're second guessing what they're doing. And so instead of saying, you know, in my last job, we did it this way, it's really more about, oh, we did it differently before. Can you explain to me a little more about this so that I can better understand and do it the way that you want me to do it? Instead of, you know, there's nothing worse than that person that you hire. And for the next six months, they're like, well, we used to do it this way. We used to do it this way. We used to do it this way. So if you can, you know, approach things with curiosity, understand why, and and really try it the new way, you're going to learn new things and add new skills. So let's follow up on that because, again, we have somebody that's been in the field for a long time from, you know, the hiring to the, unfortunately, termination. What... Um, what can somebody do those first days on the job to really establish themselves as a strong team player, strong leader? 
I think that it is a lot of listening, a lot of asking questions, you know, setting up touch bases with your new partners to get to know them, you know, really, you know, try to establish who are your go-to people. If you're using new tools like an Asana or, you know, a new BI tool, whatever the case may be, really trying to figure out who the expert is and saying, hey, listen, I'm new here. You seem to be really established in this role. Would you mind if I came to you and ask you questions? It it will help you be successful and it will help them feel successful too because it's human nature just to want to help other people. Good advice because I think that we often talk about onboarding and how important it is that first day for a company to make a positive impression, but it's also very important that first day for a new employee to, to make a positive impression. And I like that, you know, don't talk about the last job, ask questions, you know, find out, you know, who, the, who people are kind of leave that old job behind. And this is an, a brand new fresh opportunity and to meet new people that will be part of your network. So um, I want to just remind everybody of Susan's um, five-second challenge, which I think is just brilliant. As soon as this podcast ends, pick up the phone, call a, a favorite supervisor, have that conversation. I love the way she said, gee, I've been thinking about you. Even if you haven't talked to somebody for two years, a lot of times it just brightens up their their day to know that somebody really wanted to talk to them. So um, yeah, say I just really been thinking about you. How's it going? How are things going there? And the, I think one of the most important things Susan said is at the end of the conversation, how can I help you? Because even if you're unemployed, even if you're struggling looking for a job, you've got a skill or a talent. And that person can just say, one of the times they say, just thank you for calling because you made my day or gee, you know, what's going on? You know, what is what is it like right now searching for a job? Because you do have a lot of experience and background, especially if you're talking to somebody who's a hiring manager, they want to know how they can be a better hiring manager, how they can engage folks. So again, call that supervisor, say thank you very much for everything you did for me and how can I help you? So until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman, encourage you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on 